It's time for Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo. This new show discusses trends, technology, and tactics to help the listener learn more about improving sales, saving money, and fulfilling a personal mission through entrepreneurship. Today, we'll interview Mark's competitors, Steve Strohs of Cold Coast Advisors and Alan Lee of eTech Systems. But are they really competitors? Let's discover how to look at competition a bit differently with Mark, Ellen, and Steve. Welcome to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM. I'm your host, Mark Mondo. We're on the air in Valparaiso, Indiana, and you can listen to us streaming on the website at wvlp.org or use the TuneIn app on your mobile device and look for WVLP. 103.1 FM WVLP is a local nonprofit radio station based in Valparaiso, Indiana. This show, like many of the shows on WVLP, are made possible by the generosity of donors and underwriters. We accept donations at WVLP.org. Simply click on the support tab and make a one-time donation or sustained pledge to WVLP. All donations are tax deductible. Underwriters are made up of businesses and organizations that support the shows on WVLP. Getting down to business with Mark Mondo would like to thank Homes by Hortensia, a Coldwell Banker affiliate in Porter County, Indiana, for their support. Homes by Hortensia has served the region's residential real estate needs in Indiana for over 12 years. Contact Hortensia Moreno or Tiffany Zorio at 219-249-5118 or visit homesbyhortensia.com. Homes by Hortensia, habla espanol. I want to welcome you in case you're new to the show. Here's my backstory, and I'm sticking to it. I've been a consultant for small businesses for the last 25 years, helping small businesses implement customer relationship management, otherwise known as CRM, software where I learn their business processes and match them with the right software to help them gain an advantage in either sales, marketing, or customer service. But there is much more to becoming a success in business than just having a good CRM system. That's why I bring on guests to tell their stories and share tips on either technology, tactics, or trends they use to become successful. So let's get to it and introduce everyone here today. To my side is the producer, the star soprano, and my wife, Mrs. Cynthia Zimmerman. Hello, hello. And we have two guests coming on today. Let me introduce Steve Strohs from Gold Coast Advisors from the south side of Chicago. Steve Strohs is a CRM expert with over two decades of experience in contact management and CRM systems. He's a fully recognized authority in the field, having been chosen as a featured instructional speaker by companies like Symantec, Best Software, and Sage Software. Steve has served on advisory boards, trained and certified other CRM consultants, and acted as an expert court witness on database issues. He's known for founding the ACC Roundtable and CRM's CRM Consultants Conference and Cruise. His extensive implementation experience spans across dozens of industries, including notable clients like GE, Quaker, and Citigroup, serving clients nationally and internationally. Steve holds with degrees in electronics, business administration, and has a strong background in financial planning and tax advising. Oh, by the way, I've got to, I've got to add this too. When he's not solving CRM problems, you may have seen him performing last week at the Acadia Theater in St. Charles. He was performing Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas. Welcome, Steve. Hey, welcome. Uh, thank you so much, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate that. Uh, I'm blushing by the bio. Well, I just called as I see it. <laughs> and yeah, we everybody needs a hobby. So I was playing some music last week, and that was a lot of fun. I was winning. I got to perform one of my favorite songs, and uh, we raised some money for charity. So that's all, all good. So that was a lot of fun. Well, thanks, and glad you were able to help out the charities. And let's bring in the second guest. It is Alan Lee. He is the founder of and president of eTech Systems, as well as a second company called Fort Knox Data Migration, both located in Schaumburg, Illinois. 
He has expertise in using technology to improve sales and customer service, specifically in using CRM systems for sales, customer service, and lead generation. Today, he works primarily in implementing CRM software developed by Zoho, Act, and Salesforce, helping people get their data out of old CRM systems. Welcome, Alan. All right, Mark. Nice to be here. So I'm looking forward to it. I've been uh, thinking about these topics and what we could share with your audience. I think it's going to be an interesting time. So looking forward to it. Thank you. Well, good times lie ahead here in the next hour. So here's the backstory. I relaunched my business in Chicago in 2001. If future me told 2001 Mark, he would collaborate with Alan and Steve to share business practices and refer them clients. 2001 Mark would have told future Mark he's nuts. He'd send them <laughs> back in the time machine. Oh yeah, he'd send them back in the time machine and believe he could run his practice on his own without Steve or Alan. But here we are. I got some questions to start with and then I'm going to turn it over to Alan and Steve and they're going to be answering more questions. And I'm just going to kind of facilitate this conversation with Cynthia ensuring we stay on time and on topic because it's easy for me to get off the rails. Uh, Steve, why would you do this? In, or Steve or Alan, either one can answer this. Why would you even collaborate? Uh, you know, our, based on those bios, we should be competing and not even talking to each other. Well, good point. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot of reasons to, to sort of collaborate and it's interesting and, in, you know, how we get to this spot, but I think you're right. And I, I think when you're sitting down to start your business, you, you kind of imagine that you'll be doing everything on your own and that obviously there's competitors in a, in a land, in a, in a marketplace, in a landscape, and you wouldn't be sharing with them or befriending them. But the truth is there's a lot of benefits to it. And, you know, we, we, we can touch on some of those. One that comes to mind is just that you can't be all things to all people. So the work that we do on the technical space is vast. So you, you just cannot be an expert at, at all parts. And, you know, frankly, if you're going to serve your customer or your client well, you do need to, uh, you know, sometimes reach beyond your company to find some of the, the skill sets and the expertise. And I think that's why when you collaborate with others, there's benefit. Well, and why would you collaborate with the likes of me? And in theory, we're competition. Well, I think in bottom line is that it, it works, that um, by collaborating, you can get more done with less effort. So through trial and error, I've learned that collaboration is definitely better than trying to do it on your own. You know, learning through trial and error it results in a lot of error. <laughs> so if you can avoid some of that error, if you can learn from other people, you can avoid some of that. And if you're willing to share and other people are willing to share. So uh, by collaborating, you can uh, get more done, with less effort, make more money, work less, get more done. It's, it's a good thing. Hold on. I, I heard some, I heard some buzzwords there that I really want to embrace work less and make more. Yeah. Yeah. That's a formula I've, I've come to embrace. We can elaborate on this. The three of us here have been in business since the, Al in the late 80s, Steve and I, I, I started my practice in 97 and I enjoyed learning all the new stuff like, oh, I can make this work around and I can tweak Axe software to do X, Y, and Z that I never was able to do before. I was able to, you know, fix this server and make, make the software do what it really wasn't intended to do. And I was really proud of that. But as I've evolved my company over the last I would say 10 to be really intense in the last 10 years. I've decided that I don't want to learn everything anymore. I like partnering with people. I want to find others that I can complement my skill set. So I, what are your thoughts? I mean, that's my experience, but I want to hear from you two rather than me just uh, pontificating one way of seeing the world. Well, I, I think that's a great point, Mark. And certainly technologists are drawn to solving problems and we like to learn. Those are some commonalities across everybody that sort of does this types of work. But there is sort of a difference 
between personal enjoyment and business. So I'll give you like one, for instance, I've relied on Alan for years. Alan, amongst all of his other expertise, he's an expert in data and database conversions. That's sort of our terminology. And database conversions would be when you're going from one system to another and you need to pull the data out of the old one because you're going to go to the new system. You know, that's work that both you and I could do, but it may just take us a lot longer because Alan is an expert. And when you're doing something all day long, you know, sort of 40 hours a week for years, you know, you just get to be really, really good at it. So, you know, Alan, with his specialty, he might be able to do something in a day or two that would take us a week or longer. And so while it might be personally enjoyable, it might not be as profitable. It, in those cases, it's best. Every, you're, I think you're, we're serving everybody to collaborate. You know, it's in, it's in everybody's best interest to just collaborate. Yeah, and that, to add on that, I had a prospect that wanted to take data from Salesforce and potentially put it in Act. And could I do it? Technically, yes. Should I do it? Professionally, fiscally, emotionally, spiritually, no. Why? Because it would take me 80 hours of learning time. I could probably build 10. And I I, I just don't think the, the ROI is there anymore. So that, those are kind of individual case studies. And Alan, feel free to elaborate on that and you know, what you've seen in your experience. Well, I think you definitely are onto something. It just, it's an idea that you have to pick the work that you want to do. You have to know when to say no to certain opportunities that aren't a fit for what you want to do or should do. You know when to walk away or when to pass it to somebody else. Those are all good things. You know, you, you don't want to get into work that's not appropriate. So you can pass that to somebody else where it is more appropriate. And that's a great time to collaborate because you can send that work to somebody else that could do it and and then hopefully that person's going to reciprocate and send you some work that's appropriate for what you do hopefully in the future and that's a good thing if you're able to make it a two-way situation but if the customer served even if it's a one-way you know your your customer served and that's a good thing uh going forward what you don't want to do is take on the work particularly if it's a one-time thing spend a lot of time doing it, maybe some unbilled hours, learning things, and then uh, not be able to reuse that knowledge. That's uh, kind of, it's a waste of your time and hard, hard way to make a living. Well, that, that kind of puts us in our second topic when we had our pre-meeting yesterday about this. I'm starting to see some, you know, I want to articulate more benefits of collaborating with the likes of you and you two and how others not necessarily in the IT industry, but you can start thinking about whether you're like an insurance broker or I, I meet financial planners every day. So maybe two, you know, maybe for instance, two different financial planners can get together and see how they can complement each other versus a zero sum game. I've actually seen one other example before I get into that was one of our earlier episodes, we interviewed Matthew Mondo, my brother, and Connor Macklin, and they are two commercial real estate brokers in South Florida. And what they did, you would think those are the ultimate individual pirates, you know, trying to just take all the money and make it a zero sum game. But they'd even discovered that by working together on projects, both of them will make money. So we want to also acknowledge that it's not just specific for the IT world, but Let's talk about benefits of scaling. I'll talk about what, what's worked for me and maybe uh, Steve and Alan can share some examples. For me to scale with people that could be considered competitors, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago or 15, our world was defined more by geography on who's competing with who, but with the rise of remote software and remote technology, you, you have a global market with your limits being maybe language and time zone barrier at this point. So on my practice, I was, I took on two other consultants to help me with tech support to not only scale the business, but I was able to get emotional, 
and spiritual peace of mind with work that just didn't interest me as much anymore. I'll, I'll fiscally pays really well, but I was starting to not enjoy the work as much as I used to. So those are my examples of collaborating with a, an alleged competitor to collaborate instead of compete. What have you all experienced? That resonates, Mark, what you were talking about. And, you, you know, you touched on the mental and spiritual aspects of this a little bit. I, I think good business is all about specialization. I think that when you specialize, you start to stand apart from the crowd and become more valuable and consequently become more profitable. So that's sort of a theme to collaborating, incidentally, because while you might be specializing within your practice, again, you find yourself in these positions when there's some piece of work that you might not be capable of, but as you say, spiritually or mentally, you might not enjoy that work. The work needs to be done, but you know, you just personally, you might not want to be able to do it. And that that's when it is good to start build these uh, friendships, uh, business collaborations outside of your firm, because then you, you can scale. So you can do more work, you can do more projects, build trust and build a good solid relationship. My software consulting firm is small. And so sometimes there's a rush of too much work. But if you have those business relationships outside, of your organization, you can scale, you know, by hiring them as sort of subcontractors to what you're doing to just supplement the workload. The example that came to mind to me was, uh, let's say you're a trainer in, uh, let's say you train real estate agents and you go out and you train them. Well, what if you needed to bid a project to, to train, you know, uh, a thousand agents and you needed you know, 10 trainers to be on the road for a week or two. Well, you can't be, you can't do that on your own. You're going to need to pull in 10, nine other people. Well, you don't want to pull in nine strangers. You want to collaborate. You want to have a team. You want to be able to say to you, you want to bid that and say, yeah, I've got a team. I've worked with these people before. I could put this together and you want to trust the people that you're working with. And so you can bring in other people and, and do that work as a team. Actually, essentially doing the same training over that time period. So that's an example of uh, scaling, bidding a larger project, and being able to trust the people that you're bringing in to do quality work. That's an important thing. And I've seen that happen. Uh, it's It can be risky, can, but it can be managed. And it's uh, the only way to do it, as, as Steve said, when you're a small company, if you're trying to bid a large job, it's you know, the only way to do that. So I think we're running into some themes here as we talk about the why and the benefits. But I think now we got to figure out how are we going to roll this out? So let's say, you know, the listener in the audience, man, these three guys know what they're doing. So I, I want to start doing this. So we're going to start giving uh, what's worked for us to make, to turn competitors into collaborators. There are three things that we have found. I'll review one of them, and then Alan can review the second, and Steve will review the third. So three things we've discovered is, first, I'll go into competency. You better not hire a rookie. So if you're going to collaborate with somebody, you really want to make sure they know what they're doing. If you're working with another real estate agent or you know, another real estate trainer, make sure they have industry certifications. Do all the background checks you need to do, reference check, check their clients, find referrals, do what you do to make sure that they are as good as you, if not better. I think it's easy to partner with somebody really quick because they might be cheap. Oh, great, they're cheap. I'll work with them and I'll make more money in the back end or whatever. But I think that as a formula to fail. So I think competency is one of the three foundations we need. Yeah, I'll echo that sentiment when because they're going to be an ex extension of your company, right? So you want them to be able to perform, you know, at a top level. Otherwise, it'll reflect poorly on you when you're recommending. Another item is trust. So like all relationships, trust is sort of earned and built over time. But that's going to be very important, obviously, you know, especially in a business capacity where, you know, money is being ex exchanged and, you know, there's some pretty heavy consequences in the business world. But you do want to trust uh, that somebody can deliver. So, um, 
you know, when you select them for a project, you want to make sure that they're going to do a good job, but you, you have to be able to trust them. So that does take some time. As you mentioned, Mark, the three of us on this call have known each other for many, many years. But I mean, yeah, you know, I, I kind of still remember a day when we were just getting to know each other, but that's built over time. The relationships get stronger. So that's, that's an important why we go to conferences. That's why we go to conferences. And there you go. if you're in, in the same industry, find those trade associations. It, it can always be a little intimidating to jump into a pool of people that already seem to know each other and you're kind of walking your way into the group and hopefully you're accepted socially. I did experience that in the ACT consultant community. I think I went to my first one in 2002 or three or something like that. I'm like, oh man, what, what's going to happen here? And boy, I got, I'll tell you, I got, I'd rather be lucky than good as my old soccer coach would say. And <laughs> I wound up, I wound up in a great community of consultants that were pretty open. And I think it's fairly unique in the IT world. I haven't seen that replicated yet. So that trade association, get to know people, even if they're, yeah, just get to know somebody in your community and you just got to start building trust that way. So Alan, we kind of left the third point to you on building that foundation from turning competitors into collaborators. And what is that? Well, when you need to turn a competitor into a collaborator, you've got to build trust with them and work with them. And I think the first part of it is um, you need to offer something to them first so that uh, they know that you're able to, you know, work with them. So generally, I think if you start out and maybe have some type of networking where you can work with them and share ideas about the industry and education and that type of thing so that they're gaining in a professional way, learning about what the industry does, helping to learn about products, helping to be better serve the clients. That helps build camaraderie. That helps people get to know each other. And that goes a long way. And at some point then you can perhaps bring them in on a project or give them some work. And then at some point, then hopefully they'll bring you in on a project or give you work. But it has to start out with just some joint meetings, spending time with people and uh, let it grow over time. It does not happen, you know, day one, you can't walk in and say, you know, let's exchange work. I don't think it starts there. I think you have to build, build a relationship. And I think that comes through time and effort and exposure. Probably more, you know, takes months, maybe years to build with some people. And it's worth it though. It definitely is worth it. And I apologize if I missed this, I, but do you think when you bring in those collaborators, how have you comped them? I mean, the three of us have arrangements to help each other, not only in a qualitative way, but a quantitative way. What have you all come up with in terms of a compensation model? So I'm not, all, like I said, not only like a pat on the back and a thanks, but I think there should be some kind of fiscal compensation as well. But what has worked for you over the years and what would you advise somebody new to this idea? Well, I, well, I think that in many industries, it's certainly appropriate that you can offer a referral fee if somebody is going to bring you business. Uh, you could think of them as your salesperson. If they're going to refer business to you, you can compensate them directly with a referral fee. In some industries, that's not appropriate, and or they'll take it if they disclose it to the client. You know, if, if someone's being paid to offer advice, they may not want to accept money to refer you because they're being paid to you know recommend somebody. But if they disclose that, then, then generally there's no issue. But it depends on the situation. But often it's certainly reasonable that you can offer it. It depends on whether it's up to them to decide on whether or not they want to accept it. So it can be um, you know useful. Often it's not requirement. I mean, often in the compensation more is more important if they want to, they want a, a reciprocal referral, not, you know, necessarily the money. They're more looking to make their quota is more important to them than to make a couple hundred bucks on the side. So they're looking for, you know, leads, referrals. If they're a salesperson, it might really help them in their business. So it depends on what motivates them. In the smaller world, you know, a $50 
gift certificate from Amazon could make all the difference for somebody, you know, send them that, you know, lead to you or whatever makes a huge difference. So thank you. You know, here's something, uh, we appreciate the tip and there you go. Another situation is just a flat percentage for revenue for a year, you know, is appropriate. And sometimes, you know, two, three, five percent is on the situation and the margin involved is what people would look at. It just needs to be communicated clearly up front and whatever's agreed to needs to be followed up on. It's uh, that, that uh, you don't want any misunderstandings because that definitely can cause problems. But those rules will keep people out of trouble. And, you know, there's, there's definitely no reason in, in asking, but it doesn't always work, but it, it, it often will. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, boy, a lot of good points there. I mean, I think you almost covered it, <laughs> you know, A to Z. I, I was going to say, when when I was listening to you, I, I recalled somebody that referred me a customer and it, it was a pretty substantial amount of work, maybe a day or two. And they were just so thankful that I was able to deliver, you know, they didn't even want compensation back. Because as you said, they just wanted to serve their customer and they were just happy to do that. So that was sort of interesting. Yeah, and I think it depends on the, the scope, you know, the scale and scope of what the work that you may be doing. So in the technical space, sometimes we do programming projects and if it's a big project, it might take months, maybe a half a year or a year to, to deliver. So it might be a really, really large project. But, in, you know, it's, and so in that case, it could be a substantial amount of money. Whereas you say, you know, if it's a small engagement, you know, it, it might not even be worth it. But, you know, as you say, any any part of a good relationship is communication. So, yeah, you talk about that up front when your collaborator is coming to you. And that way, everybody's just on the same page. So that makes a lot of sense to me. In in my, you know, in, in the tech industry, I sort of default to, if you think about the day that you sat down to write your business plan, you carved out a portion of the, the budget, the pie chart for sales and marketing. And so sometimes the way that I look at referral business is that it's found business. It's business that we really didn't have to do any sales or marketing for. So it's really easy to sort of allocate that money and just give that back. So, but yeah, I think the best point that that you made for sure is just, you know, talking about it up front. Before we get into the next segment, we wanted to let you know you're listening to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM a community radio station out of Valparaiso, Indiana. Thanks for listening, and let's continue. All right, we are back. And now let's talk results. I mean, yeah, it's all fine and good to just be academic about it and kind of talk about it, but we actually did it. And that's one of the reasons I brought Alan and Steve together. We actually turned from perceived competitors into collaborators. So I'm going to ask each of these gentlemen here about their journeys and what they did that's definitely more unique than what I did. So I'm going to ask Steve, how did you get from, how did you start taking this academic idea and turn it into reality, Steve? The first thing that comes to mind is professional group that I started back around the time of 2005. The product that we were all working with at the time was ACT. May have been one of many products, but we were all working with ACT. And they had just gone through a really big technical change. And frankly, it was all new to everyone, certainly the customers, but even the consultants that were experts. And we were all sort of expected to learn it very quickly for our customers. I founded a group called the ACC Roundtable. That's kind of what we were referred to ACC stands for ACT Certified Consultant. And so the, the spirit of it is a rising tide lifts all boats. So we're all in the same boat here. We have to all learn this new technology and become experts at it. And what better way to do it than with all of our friends? And we all have that common expertise in ACT, but then everybody can bring like different skill sets to it. So 
Some people are better at networking. Some people are better at web technologies, reporting, or just the business application. Yeah, so we just founded a group and we, we found a location. We had some vendor support. Uh, the vendor sent somebody to, to come along, but that was really one of the early moments where we were able to get everybody in the same group or everybody in the same room. And of course, while you're learning and working together on certain problems, you know, you're kind of getting to know each other, you know, talking about each other's friends, families, hobbies, what'd you do last night? And it sort of goes towards building that trust. And we kept we kept at it. So we did monthly meetings. So this is somebody, it, you know, it's easy to do. We, I think our first meetings, we just worked at a public library that made space available. And, you know, we, we commandeered it. What are some of your memories about the early ACC roundtable meetings? Well, Alan put it together because he or Alan leaked out the space because we used a uh, public library. So there's a pro tip. Ask your yeah. public library for free meeting space. You don't have to necessarily get an expensive hotel room or Regis. Yeah, yeah, yeah they we were able to, Yeah. Well, that was a nice space because it was a very nice conference room that we and that helped, I think, the professionalism because it was a nice setup. But we were able to bring people in from a couple of states. Some people drove in from out of state, you know, a couple hours away. And the collaboration was that they got access to some pretty good product information that somebody would know that they spent some time learning something that they would share with the group. And then, but then somebody else, you know, would know some other piece of information that they would share. And a few people would bring things. We asked people to bring, you know, something to share to the group sort of as price of admission, you know, if you're coming to the group, you know, bring something to share. And so they would find a tip or a trick or, you know, something that they would share. And it was funny, all kinds of things would come up and sometimes they wouldn't have anything, but it, that really helped move things along. So, and then we'd have people that would do more of a presentation uh, longer wise, but I think that that helped. So for me, it was, we found that it was hard to learn, I mean, literally for this product technology stack, literally rewrote the product from the ground up. Anything you learned on the product side of things, even as recent as two years ago, the skills were irrelevant. So you had to trust others and you had to provide value. If you were just a taker, I think you would have been found out really quick. So we did that for, I would say a good five years at least, Steve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, then, after, after a while, I think we all became more comfortable, you know, with it. And so, yeah, we sort of scaled back. I think in the early days, we were meeting every month. Oh, it was frequent. Uh, I yeah. remember driving there frequently, but not yeah, only, yeah the, the journey was long. Yeah. But, you know, for all the locals in Chicago uh, or tourists coming into Chicago, one of the more important points, we, we would go get Lou Malnati's pizza. There you go. Yeah. I was going to add that in, any, in these groups, I think adding some social part to it is important. So we we did have social. We did go out for pizza, you know, enjoy some time together, have some fun. I think, you know, I think developing some friendship, having some fun is is important to the groups being able to, you know, stick. I'm in an investment club where you invest money and there's thousands nationally and by far you know, they say, you know, if you have food, your chances of sticking over long-term is double if you don't. Food is very, very important to sticking and being able to survive. So that's important. Well, that see, we, we, we share life pro tips outside the technology stacks. So <laughs> Alan, I think what happened is you wound up taking the, I'm going to say, I'm going to call it an evolution, not necessarily competitors, but I think it evolved as the business got more nationalized as opposed to localized. And Alan, you wound up co-founding this with some other consultants, something, and it's a longer, a, lo a bunch of letters, but you will explain it and talk about what went mm -hmm. well with that. It was called the CCRMS. And what does that stand for? And why did you do it? Yeah, the CCRMS is Complete CRM Solution. 
And uh, that was a non-for-profit corporation that we formed and ran for five years, filed tax returns, had a bank account. It was actually a corporation. And that started uh, about 20 years ago as a mastermind group, a small group of consultants that got together studying a CRM, trying to learn it together, like the ACC Roundtable. They're non-competitors, you know, people that were not in the same market. You know, importantly, they didn't compete with each other. They were in different cities. And so we would do WebEx calls at the time, you know, the, some the only thing available, get together via the web and connect up. But also at sometimes at a national meeting of a vendor, we would come in a day early or stay a day late and get together in a hotel or somewhere and, and meet together and share information. And then the members of that group would uh, present to each other. And that group was very, very helpful in building their business. And it not only studied product, but spent, I would say, most of its time in business topics, learning and thinking and evolving the businesses. Um, for the example of going into pricing that was not based on hourly pricing, but based on value pricing. For example, that group, we hired a high-end value-based pricing expert out of uh, Dallas and we, we oh, yeah, all flew Ed to Kless, Dallas right? and had a pride, pardon, Ed, Ed, Ed Kless. Kless. And, uh, and, and his partner who wrote the book, or wrote a big thick book on, I forgot his name, on pricing. Ed Kless and his partner taught that class dedicated to us. And so we had a whole group of people down in Dallas for a week and took a whole week long class in value-based pricing. That group went down and took that class together. That kind of thing, you know. I didn't so even that, know you had that. That was, that was, yeah, I, I remember was, Ed. And yeah, the so book that, was called, back in the let's, day. yeah, the book was called Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play. That was one of them. Yeah. That was one, of, that was one of them. I, I, God, I'm glad I thought I, at least I remembered one. Yeah. That was his uh, big push for, um, he liked that one for selling. That group grew and grew. And it was got very tight. And over time, uh, we were growing it. But the idea was, if you got bigger, the big, that was a small tent. We wanted to have more and more people. And we said, well, if we have a big tent, we can't be open. We can't discuss our finances. We can't discuss, we're not going to disclose some of our secrets with everybody. Because they're business secrets, trade secrets. We're not going to disclose those to people in our own market that are competing against us. So that was only in that small group. And so other people could have their own small group, but they weren't in our small group, but they could be in our big group. And the big group would do product presentation, would do, you know, larger things. So we started re recruiting that and that group grew over a hundred people and had many, many people and had some dues, small dues. And that allowed us to have a, a, some paid help because in running a group like that, Volunteers only go so far. So our rule was we had to have paid help or else we wouldn't do it because you would burn out volunteers. And so we paid the presenters and that's how we were able to get good content over a long period of time. We would pay the, the coordinator who would get the presenters and put together the quarterly meetings and that person got paid and therefore they happened and they were good quality and they were ongoing and uh, that's what the dues went for. And so we got really good content that everybody liked. And so the paid coordinator made all the difference in that, in that association. And then membership fell off and we dissolved it. And then it went away a couple of years ago. And now that group still exists, but it's, a, it's Zoom only, an occasional group with no paid staff. So the content's not as good, but it ran its course, CCMS did. Uh, we dissolved that corporation so we don't have to pay taxes and go through all that anymore. But that was an interesting one. There's another group I have called BORT, Business Owner Roundtable. It's a, also a small group, private, non-competitive, you know, people in different uh, cities and business owners. And that group does have some people in the same city. Steve's in it. Steve and I are both in that group. But we meet with business owners and talk about business topics to help each other grow our business. And that's been very helpful. There's some friendships there that have lasted many years, very, you know, not all, all kinds of products, but that group meets eight times a year, not every month, but about eight times. And the topics there have been quite varied, but help people stay current. 
that's been a very good uh, thing for the owners of those businesses. That, that group is over 10 years old. So each member presents once, roughly once a year. There's every year and a half. So those kind of groups help people by providing good content. Well, then among us, these groups have evolved. We had the ACC Roundtable, CCRMS. I was a member of one for about 10 years called the CRM Alliance, and that started in 2004. Went to about 2015, 2016-ish. So it, it had a good run. Unfortunately, the, the I think the group just it ran its course, but I made a lot of great business connections and even friends. And even it built what it did is it built the trust. They were non-competing markets locally, so the geography was still there. But even after the business nationalized with remote technology, we still worked together for quite a number of years. And it was really, I, I would consider it a re resounding success. So. But Alan, you're still doing this collaboration thing. You, you've turned it into something else. Uh, I've also continued to collaborate to this day with many people. And you do this on a boat, perhaps? Well, Steve and I work together on a current projects that um, we do and have for many years that Steve started back in the day and I was able to join. And Steve and I and Stan Smith are able to run a sales conference for CRM consultants and sales managers called the CRM Cruise. And it's for CRM consultants and sales managers. And that's a once a year conference. It just happens to be on a, usually a Caribbean island and you get to the conference via cruise ship. So well, that sounds uh, like a nicer place than the TikTok in over in, uh, in a Chicago <laughs> suburb or something. I think that sounds like a pretty, pretty nice place to go. Where have y'all been? Boy, um, where where haven't we been? I think we've been everywhere that uh, Royal Caribbean can get to from Fort Lauderdale. That's that's the typical uh, run. Let me build on something that I heard both you and Alan talk about in that these groups that you put together, and I'm hoping this is for the listener who might be thinking about doing this, they the groups evolve and change in time. So sometimes the membership changes, um, you know, they might be exiting the industry, retiring, what have you, moving on. And so, you know, membership changes, but also the landscape changes, right? So the industry changes. So you might put a group to, together and have to evolve it. So yeah, we I, I started what was referred to as the ACT Cruise, and that was revolving around that product that I mentioned earlier, just the ACT software. And we, you know, would invite consultants from around the world, mostly from North America, and we would do an annual cruise during the cold Chicago winter months, and we would go down to a nice destination. But as the landscape changed, it became important to diversify that. And at that time, I had a great relationship already established with Alan, and so... We, we brought him on, you know, as, as a partner and a collaborator to help us expand. And now that conference looks a lot different. So it's not just talking about one specific product anymore. Now we talk about several, you know, industry leading products, but we also incorporate just general IT and also sales and marketing. And it's, it's been real interesting watching that evolve. I've been involved in that now 16 years, I think. We, we The only year that we didn't do it was during the COVID shutdown. But we've resumed since that time. And the relationships that get built there are, are so amazing. We have attendees come from different parts of the country, and then they get to know each other. They build that rapport. And some of them have even gone to work for each other. So, you know, we've had attendees come on and then go join another's firm. And there's certainly a lot of business that's shared. And for small business people, I think that's really important too, in that you have some unique challenges and problems, but there's really, you're kind of an island. There's really nobody to talk to about those. And sometimes a trusted peer can be a great person to talk through a business challenge with. So yeah, it's 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 been remarkable to to see it happen. I'm really um, happy that Alan's 
decided to join. He's been a great asset to have along. And if you're a CRM consultant listening to this, come join us. Come on board, right? Get on board. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't done that yet. I still haven't done that. Yeah, you should come. I I, I wanted to mention this, though. Uh, we, you know, we, you can go to crmcruise.com, crmcruise.com, check that out, and you can see the itinerary and you know, content if you're interested. But the the thing I want to mention was th there is class, right? So people go to class and, you know, you hear some content and there's some lectures, blah, blah, blah. But several people, and when we survey where they got value and how they thought the return on investment was, said, yeah, it was really, really worth it. They talk about the networking time as the most valuable. You know, we do a cocktail hour before dinner. We have dinner together. We do some events, et cetera. And that networking time where they got to talk one-on-one -on -one with other business owners and discuss things, you know, one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two or three and share, that they really, really enjoy. And I, I can personally say that is certainly some of my times that I enjoy and learn a lot is hearing the stories and, and when people are opening up and talking about things in that kind of environment, it very, very valuable. And you just, you just don't get that over a zoom meeting, <laughs> you know, you just have to be there and uh, experience. And that's a big part of why I've enjoyed it and go so much and um, happy to be part of it. So yeah, it's, it's really a fun thing and you, you get a lot, a lot out of it. Looking forward to the next one coming up in January. Well, I better get my calendar booked. Will my producer, Mrs. Cynthia Zuma, make sure I stay on time on that timeline? She'll... Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so fun. It, it is. So I'm going to put up a couple examples among us, you know, just to share tangible results from Alan. I have bought a couple of his products over the years. He had a line of products. It's still out there. It's called Oak Merge. And over the years, I bought that product, even though in theory, could he find out my client and try to poach it? He doesn't. He doesn't care. You know, we just work together and Alan helps one of my top clients in the Northwest Chicago suburbs and his product enables them to always merge data between two disparate systems on a monthly basis without fail. So I hire Alan, I put, you know, I'm not just saying what we do or just saying as an academic exercise, that's a tangible result. Steve and I actually have some fun stories to share. There's a couple of clients of mine leaving a product called ACT and they wanted to go to something called HubSpot. And one of my clients literally had the DBA or database administrator fail the weekend of the migration. She said she could do it. I said, great. Here's the data. I got it out of act. I gave him a bunch of files. I get a call Monday morning. Mark, she quit. <laughs> no, 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 no. What a, <laughs> it was what a, what a nightmare. Yeah. So, mid, mid I'm like, well, I don't know how to do this. And they, I said, well, I got a guy. And next thing you know, later that morning, I call Steve. Steve. The client and I get on a call, and Steve, take it from there. What happened? Yeah, well, I, yeah, boy, that's every business owner's nightmare, right? Mid-project, have your leader quit. But, yeah, we were – I mean, that was a great introduction and a really nice client, too, by the way. But, yeah, that was nice. We were able to help. That was a product I became an expert and a partner in over the last few years and you knew that so as you said you know your client had this trouble there was really no way you could help them but the way that you were able to help them is you had a resource available so yeah so we got on that phone call and came up with a nice action plan and were able to carry them through to finish the project and now they're happy users that really served everybody well so right so we took yeah. the three principles competency trust and compensation yeah and steve also did that in reverse uh many years ago he sent me a client in his hometown and i wound up helping them with act for many years so it built that trust in both ways yeah absolutely so with that said i'm going to start kind of winding down the hour here so i want to wrap up the takeaways that i got and then we're going to close with our little, what we started to put together called the Pearls of Wisdom segment. So 
the takeaways I got out of this today was, you know, when you do this collaboration, why? You get to ex two, three big bullet points. Expand your scale of business by working with others in their specific skill set. So essentially, you're becoming more complementary than competitive. I always think there's an angle. I, I Even in uh, other CRM products, they may be considered competitors, but there's just enough money to go around. So I think collaboration is preferred over competition. Religion, I like collaborating is there's no more need to, to dedicate intellectual or fiscal capital to invest those skills or products you may only use once. You know, why invest in all that heartache and even money if you're only going to get a little bit out of it? And the other takeaway I get out of it is you just look for ways in how your skills differ from others and build a relationship with them for collaboration. So with that, we're getting closer and closer to the end. I want to ask some pearls of wisdom. I'll start with Alan. Okay, well, I talk to your audience. I think if you would like to do this, my suggestion is that you start it yourself in by doing a monthly networking group yourself. So you want it to do more collaboration, start a group yourself, target a net a monthly networking group. Steve, your thoughts. My pearl of wisdom would be you can't be an expert at everything. So do some reflection, think about the work that brings you enjoyment, the work that you're very good at. Focus on that. I think you'll have a happier professional life and then build your network, you know, through collaboration so that if you find yourself with opportunities that are outside your expertise, you have a place, you know, for them to go. Perfect. So, hey, we're reaching the end of the hour. I'd like to thank Cynthia for keeping us on the level and on time today. Always a pleasure to help. And thank you, Alan and Steve, for coming on in today during the, during the week. I know we're all very busy, and I really want to thank you. Thanks again for putting this together. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Mark. Thanks, Mark. If you missed some of the show today, you can listen to the replay on Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time on WVLP 103.1 FM or live stream at www.wvlp.org. And we store the past shows on Mark's website at www.mondocrm.com forward slash podcast, or you can listen to the podcast on your favorite app at any time. We're listed in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Just search for Mark Mondo and the show will come up, and you can subscribe to the show for the latest updates. And the show is now on YouTube. Just search for Mondo CRM or Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo, and the episodes will come up on the YouTube feed. Thank you very much for spending time with us today, and we look forward to you joining us again next week.